Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 91st edition of Cinema Effect. I am Zach, and I'm joined by the amazing Spider-Man Defense Force, Jaden. Ooh, that's a new one. Hello. It, it's the first time outside of the Spider-Man reviews I can use it, you know. Mm. I feel liberated in that sense. I'll continue to use it, probably. And John Cena, the Keeper of Children. Fitzy John, Hey, what's up? The Peacemaker. Now everyone gets that now. That's a show. I Like... People understand. When I did it the first time, no one understood. But mm, that's actually you can buy you can buy the pop pack on Foxtel. Watch that. There you go. The pop the pop pack. Yeah, like the the pop the pop you know popular the pack and Foxtel. What is that like the official name of it or are you? No, that's the name. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, up, sure. Get the it says upgrade to the pop pack to access this content. Oh. Well, yeah, okay, just going okay. free advertising. Yeah, it's my show, bro. Uh, I, I never, I never really understood. We're meant to be paid for that, but I, I never really. So you want to pay to see your own show, Peacemaker? I want to pay. I want other people to pay. But you, but you haven't upgraded to the pop pack yourself. If you're getting this message, oh no, that's true. Yeah, I haven't upgraded. James Gunn probably sent you some, you know. Some free. He's going to be a screen of files there. anyway. He sent through the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent through the dailies. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Alien, which opened in the US on the 25th of May 1979. It was directed by Ridley Scott. It is a sci fi film. The synopsis says the crew of a commercial spacecraft encounter a deadly life form. After investigating an unknown transmission, Liam, Alien, the rewatch. What do you think? Alien's great. Um, I was like, kind of. I've watched it a few times at this point, so it's kind of um, rewatch fatigue, and I didn't love it as much this time. But it is, you know, pretty timeless. It is great. It's atmospheric and thrilling, and everything. Um, but this was actually my first time watching the um, the theatrical version of the film because every other time I do remember one or two um, more scenes that were there that I actually think were very important. So I actually prefer the director's cut, I think. But, yeah, this is my first time actually watching the theatrical. And, yeah, it's great. But at this point I'm like kind of – like I'm a bit out of love with it, I guess you could say, but – Mm. I still think I still think it's great, and you know, watching it for the first time or the second time, like over the last two years, so like, you know, it was a lot. Like it meant a lot. It was just like you know a thrilling, amazing experience. But like this time, it was kind of, I'm kind of growing out of it a little bit. But I still think it's you know an awesome film. The director's cut wasn't. It wasn't on Disney Plus, right? I sort of had a quick scan for it, but I well, couldn't see it. If there was a if there was a scene with the most famous difference between the two is the um the cocoon scene. I don't remember. Yeah, anything Dallas was Dallas like in like this um. He was like stuck in this room with like these no. eggs and stuff. I don't recall this at all, Jaden. Do you? No, no. I watched the um theatrical release this time. But that wasn't in it. No, not in the theatrical. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so that means I watched it too. I just, yeah, I got it. Okay. I watched okay. theatrical then, I guess. Got it, got it. Okay. No, I didn't know that at all. Jaden, what about you? Had you seen theatrical before? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd seen both. I think I think I watched the director's cut first as well because it's just on the DVD I had. It was like kind of the first option. Um, mm. But then I rewatched the theatrical like a week after because I just thought it was fantastic. And I haven't touched the original since then, probably like three years ago. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it still holds up. I think it's it, I think it's brilliant. It's just pure atmosphere building and just the most fantastic releases you know i love the cassette futurism and the way that it works to hide the alien in scenes and you know you're kind of constantly questioning is that is that tubing part of the aesthetic or is that you know an alien rib or some shit and it comes to pay off at the final end at you know towards the climax of the film um i just think it's really brilliant i i think it's it does i don't think it dates in any factor apart from maybe sound engineering um but you know like people often talk about Ridley Scott as a director I feel like this is the when you're talking about his stories and his films I feel like this is the only time that his direction has actually contributed to a film being great yeah yeah um are you proud of me I wrote down cassette futurism yeah good I I I really like that about the film uh breaking news guys Alien is great going in for me I was uh I was very confident I was going to like it um but I was, and I did, but I was excited to find that I actually had a really tense experience with it as well. I was sort of thinking, you know, maybe I'll hit play on this thing and it'll sort of be, you know, too late in a sense for me, you know, like I'll, I'll be able to appreciate it, but I won't be able to like really get invested in it. You know, I won't be able to like feel the, the, the tension and that, that experience from it. Um, but no, like for the first time in 2022, man, it really, it does do that. The only thing I'm sure that of course would enhance that experience more would be uh, seeing it in the, in the theater, of course, but man, yeah, the experience, the atmosphere in the film really holds up all these years later, which is a huge credit to it. I totally agree that it feels timeless. It feels like it hasn't dated. It's dated in very few ways, you know, I think overall, and that's, what's really impressive about it. Did you... So you watched it for the first time fairly recently, like in the last couple of years, is that right? And you saw it at the theatre too. Yeah. Yeah, watching it at the theatre was like the best experience I had with it. I actually think I've watched it like three or four times, but my letterbox injuries aren't there for some reason. But um, yeah, like I've seen it a few times at this point. Um, and recently, like within the first the last two years, yeah. What was that? That that theater was that the director's cut of the theater because that must have been like I yeah. felt as I was watching it. If this were at a theater, like that's the only thing that'd make this film better right now, you know? Yeah, it was the director's cut. So all the other times I have seen the director's cut. Um, when was the first time you watched it, Jaden? Just before Covenant released, I think I binged them all. So that was like 2017, oh, yeah. maybe. Which is a lot, okay. early, which is a lot longer than I thought. It was like five years ago when I think about it. Fuck. Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say across all of our different experiences with it, me being my first time, fizzy scene in the theater. You know, like it just, it just really delivers on all, on all, fires on all cylinders. You know, like when you create an atmosphere that's this authentic and this well realized, there's, there's not much that's going to be able to prevent that from resonating in years to come you know like I, if we sort of talked about it a bit in terms of aging with wally last week but in 50 years no one's gonna look at alien and go oh it's fucking looks like shit you know what i mean because we would have already passed that threshold you know in terms of years gone already since 1979 yeah 
I, I, it's it's crazy impressive to me, but I can get into the direction and stuff, and we will. But the thing that I love most about it, I think, or that impressed me most about it, because I was expecting this atmospheric, I was expecting you know a sort of a masterclass in direction and practical filmmaking and um, and sets and all this sort of stuff, and I got all that. But the thing that sort of surprised me, I guess, the most was the script and seeing how it the whole film reminds me a lot of the thing um and this came first um but in terms of how the characters react to the events and how the events unfold in the film it just none of it feels like a movie none of it it feel, it all feels very genuine very authentic i think the dialogue between the characters is really good like some of the banter and bickering feels like like someone just was like fucking filming these people that are actually in this situation. You know what I mean? Like none of it felt like acting. It was, it was crazy how they create, and I assume Ridley's direction sort of created this comfortable environment for the actors just to bounce off each other. It was, it was crazy. Like, and they, I mean, the the main thing is how smart they are too. Like they just don't, no one does anything dumb in this movie. You know what I mean? And the only time they do, um, the what's it what the guy the robot guy who lets them in through the uh, doesn't Ash. quarantine no? Ash? Ash, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like when that happened, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And then like, of course, he's that's the whole point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like the, the, the films it's it's great in that way, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a little like a lot of different things he tries to do to like sabotage and manipulate it. Um yeah. Oh yeah, like with the bickering, there's like one thing about the director's version is that um, when uh, Ripley, so when like is it Lambert, like the other girl, yeah, 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 Lambert and Dallas, so they come back on the ship. Um, Ripley like confronts. Oh no, Lambert confronts Ripley when she like comes to look at um, um, you know, at Hurt's character. I forget his name. What's his name? Kane. Kane, that's right, Kane. And she just like slaps slaps her and they have this like massive outburst, this massive fight. Which is one thing I really like from the um directors. But like oh yeah, the other thing I was gonna say was like um apparently on set it was actually really tense a lot for the like he actually kind of made it the environment like not comfortable. And it was kind of I think cause I remember watching there's like this three and a half hour alien documentary. I watched like two hours of it or something. Um, and it was just like, they were the super stressed all the time. And like, I think, uh, really, really got bullied them a little bit, but, um, <laughs> and he got, he, he got his best work out of it. Hey. Mm. Yeah. It was like, um, you know, that whiplash teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Aspiring um, directors bully your actors. Do it. Mm. All right. But yeah. Pro- like proven technique. Yeah. It is. It is like the thing in hell. Like, um, you know, no one trusts each other. They're all paranoid and stuff. And like their yeah, their performances are really great. Like they're always like on the verge of breakdown pretty much. Um like Lambert is like a really good addition to that. She's like yeah. always she's like she looks like she's always gonna cry, you know. So that's really But she cool. always does what she needs to do though. Like she's 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 on the verge of breakdown, but the character's never annoying because like so so often in films, you know, Especially in horror, when when characters are kind of on this near hysteria, they just do fuck all, and they're just annoying and just you know stop functioning. And like 
that only happens to her at the very end, you know, when she can't jump out of the way of the alien. But I think that's fair. But, you know, all the other times when she's, you know, in a state, she continues to do what she needs to do. And I think that's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, I mean, every, everyone in the film does this where they all are, like are contributing to the film in some way and contributing to the actual like problem they have to solve with this friggin' alien on the ship. At one point, I think she just goes, and they all have these like genuinely, you know, authentic and, and realistic and decent suggestions of what to do. And I think at one point she's just like, why don't we just friggin' get on the ship and just leave and take our chances out in, out in space? And I'm like, that's a great mm. idea. Do that. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, good on you, Lambert. And now uh, they don't do that. But yeah. well, the only reason they can't do that is because they don't have um the they only have a few like sleeping things on there, and they can't survive like being awake on there. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, oh, so I was actually I was fiddling with like the subtitles, and some when I was like watching the um the Blu-ray for this. And suddenly, like, the subtitles weren't reading what people were saying. And Same it, on mine. It was, yeah. and it was, like, really Scott, he was actually, like, it was actually, like, a commentary, but it wasn't, his voice wasn't there. So, <laughs> just a random thing, a random thing I read from that, when that happened, was that, like, like, when they first, when you first meet the crew, they're, like, around the table, and he made it so that you can't, like, actually hear the conversation and it's like kind of um you know it's tense in that way because you don't know you, you can't really ascertain what's going on but like um in that first scene you kind of learn it everyone is really quick like you learn you know um the two undership guys you learn about you know who's in charge you learn about dallas um and it's like it's just a really great introduction that table scene and like like the uh you know the way the camera, like you know, you know, slowly goes around the table as well, like all that stuff around the ship when they're first introduced, and like you know, the pod bays come open, and it's like the camera's like like floating. You know, that shit was really the direction is really great in terms of just like that slow moving stuff, I guess, and like the you know, the tracking shots, especially. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In terms of just. That first, it, it, it was slower than I thought at first, and not it's not an, it's a, you know, it's a compliment. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I was not expecting the xenomorph doesn't show up until, I think like, over an hour into the movie, you know, and knowing that, knowing what the xenomorph is, I was sort of waiting for that, but not in an impatient way. I was just sort of like, I, like I know this is going to happen at some point, so it surprised me that it took that long to get to it, but it was it was cool though, like the way they took. It felt like it was even ages before they, like, John um, Hurt had the thing on his face. Like, it felt like it was even ages before that, like maybe 40 minutes or something. There was just a lot of time just, like, spent on the ship, the ship landing and walking around in the alien ruins and a lot of time we sort of spend with the characters coming back and forth, walking around the ruins, sitting on the ship, just sort of communicating on the walkie-talkie and stuff. It's just really slow the score sort of just brooding there at times and also be, the, the absence of the score at times was quite effective as well. Um, all that was just, yeah, it was just, it's all just terrific atmosphere building. And I mean, the closest film, like we mentioned it, but the closest film I've seen to this is The Thing. Um, and you can see the huge, uh, I've got no doubt, the inspiration that that took from this. The, um, um, there's actually a 1956 version of The Thing called The Thing from Another Planet. 
So. Does it does it have the same like? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I think it follows a similar type of trajectory that the 1992 okay. one does. Okay. Okay. You know, let's, I, let's I, I feel like the seven. I feel like Alien might have influenced you know John Carpenter. I think in direction, uh, uh, like, like for a, sure it would have. Yeah. Yeah, but like in terms of like the actual story that the thing presents and like, oh like yeah, that's that is from the fifties. Cool. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And the story is the main thing that's, you know, I mean, in terms of the whole impulsive thing. That's different. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I th- no, in terms of like the atmosphere building, the characters, it, it's a similar sort of size group of characters that you, you get to know quickly, um, that are all smart, that have good banter, that, um, and, and the practical side of it too, like the, the practical effects of the monster, alien, whatever. I, I guess they're both aliens. Um like there are huge similarities there, and I can't go without saying, of course, that the the practical effects of the of everything, like of the xenomorph, of course. But for me, actually, what impressed me the most was the egg and the weird octopus thing on his face. The face that hugger. was the face hugger. Oh my god, dude, that shit was. I don't think I'd ever seen that. Um, oh my, that was that was something that felt that, that was terrifying, of course. But that that was it. Just looked amazing. It felt so, I mean, because it's literally a real thing that they made on his face, obviously. That's why it looks amazing. But Jesus, like, it didn't look corny at all. It just, huge credit to that in the film as well. And, of course, the Xenomorph, like, and the way it's shot and everything. I think that I had a bit of trivia here, I think. Yeah, the creature is never filmed directly facing the camera due to the humanoid features of its face. Ridley Scott um, determined at all costs to dispel any notion of a man, of it looking like a man is just in a rubber suit. Uh, so they filmed the beast in a varying uh, variety of close-up angles to get its profile at all times, and that's that's how it plays out. You never see it front on. You never really see it. Also, from um, I don't know what would you call it, like an eye level perspective. You know, it's always from lower or the side or something, um, and that's really effective in the film. I think the only full shot you get is at the end when like it's about to jump on Ripley, and then she opens up the door. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I think it's not a coincidence that that's those sequences of shots are the worst in the movie. Um, just the way, like when you, uh, it's crazy like how right Ridley was because the only times he does show the whole alien, it immediately makes it less threatening. Um, so, and that's not, you know, that's an epic of course, but I think if I were to highlight any aspect of the film that didn't work, it's like those shots, especially when like, I don't know, it doesn't matter because the film's over by that point, but when it's like, when it falls out of the ship, it looks really dumb. You know, oh, yeah. so it's like, yeah. and, and that's the only part of the film I can look at and go, oh yeah, that that's that looks old. Everything else, like in the two hours preceding, felt like it was made today with how, you know, how good, of course, all the and the sets, you know, how good all the all that was. It was crazy. I really um, love the, the the sci-fi of the seventies and eighties and how they just clutter the spaceship, and like yes. how like yes, it is just. You know, like receivers and transponders and whatnot, and just consoles upon consoles and just buttons and shit. You know, because that's that's it's a very kind of old interpretation of sci-fi. You know, the modern one is very sleek and kind of controlled and clean, whereas this is kind of like, you know, a very beautiful mess. And I really love how it's presented in this film. Totally, yeah. yeah it's like cables and shit everywhere. Yeah, I actually think I actually like. Like, I actually preferred watching the first half this time because, like, all the detail in the set and, like, especially the music, the soundtrack, which is, like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's just, like, um, 
it's like um you know it, it feels like very dooming but it's very you know it's very kind of casual and kind of like it's not crazy um but it's like yeah the soundtrack is no. really like, just amazing um especially in the first the introductions to the i mean like the opening credits introduction to the crew and everything and yeah all that stuff is just awesome the, the opening credits, the opening, like, title was awesome. I love so how fantastic. it slowly spells out Alien. It was the coolest, mm. most, like, yeah. ominous thing ever. That was – if I saw that in a 2022 movie, I'd be very impressed by it, like, creatively. And it's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. It sets the tone and pace for what the rest of the film is going to be. You know, it's kind of slow reveal, the kind of totally. slow build up to it. And, you know, like – To the Alien, just, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I think we've spoken before about, you know, just, you know, an important title sequence and what it does and you know i think this is the perfect one as it spells what's going to happen well you know it spells kind of what's going to happen later yeah you know yeah, yeah. It, it, it's awesome i've got some trivia here about the title of the film that i hope yeah dan o'brien uh dan o'bannon sorry who was the writer um his original draft title was star beast but he was never happy with this because uh, why would you be it's terrible uh it was only after rereading his script that he uh, noted how many times he wrote the word alien in the script and realized that it would be the perfect title. It works as both a noun and an adjective. And it had never been used before as a title of any movie, which is actually kind of surprising that like there was no movie called alien prior to 1979. You'd think someone at some point would just like make a movie called alien. But anyway, yeah, it's awesome. The xenomorph seeing it in action for the first time, like, you know, I see it on posters and I've seen it as action figures and all the rest, like but seeing it actually on screen and, it, it, it's crazy. The, the thing to me that's so particularly iconic and terrifying about it is the choice. Because, I mean, just the look of it is is scary in itself, of course. But, like, the choice to have, like, the the mouth within the mouth, like the tongue. I don't even know what that is. Is it meant to be, like, its tongue that has a mouth? That shit. Mm. That shit is nuts. Like, whoever thought of that as, as being, like, the Geiger. thing. Handshot Geiger. Yeah. Is he? Who was he? How was he involved in the film? He was designed he the alien. He designed. So was he the production designer overall? Do you know, or just like- no, no, just creature. Like he's very famous for like his kind of like creature design, like kind of like art in that style of like, right. I don't know, like kind of gothicism, I guess. I don't know. Like it's yeah. If you look at like the rest of his projects, you'll see the similarities in it. In it yeah, right. like he, he he was the creature designer for the film, and like I think the ship as well was probably him, right? Like the um the exterior or no no or, or uh, the alien the ship. alien ships yeah and yeah like the, I'd say right. so too yeah yeah, were, yeah whatever yeah. that thing is when they like um when they actually get into there and there's like that it kind of looks like a gun or whatever yeah the gun yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah they were all they were all great too I, but I just like I I can't get over the tongue in the mouth thing like I'm sure I'm gonna see a lot more of it you know in, in movies to come but my god it's just so clever and like the the saliva just pouring down like you mm. know oh my god dude it's, and the fact that you know yeah. that was all done practically you know is just like it's crazy impressive about it i love it it's very it's deeply deeply weird um yes yes like one thing um i think this is like a chris duckman review or something i think he said like that with the yeah like the the mouth and the mouth thing it's very like it's almost like sexually perverse you know it has this like very um you know sinister quality to it i guess and the way the face hugger like literally like impregnates you you know oh right it's right incredibly um weird so that so, so 
that's what happened. Like he, the thing impregnated him, Kane. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Oh, oh my god. Okay. Well. Okay. Um. I didn't really get that from the film. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense now. I sort of figured like. I actually don't know what I figured, to be honest. I thought it was like it gave birth inside of him or something. Like it, and then like the baby was, I, I don't know what I thought. Yeah, actually, now I'm saying that. But dumb. like, like that, that's what imper- oh, No, no, okay. but like it literally oh, you mean like, out oh, the, okay. the child oh, into right. him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Either way, though, it's messed up. I don't know why, like, oh, <laughs> one's way better than the other. Um, <laughs> of course, that freaking scene where. it. But, so it grows up, right? Like it, it's the same one and it just grows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Does, that's the only thing that's like maybe a problem with that. I mean, it grows super quick, but obviously you can chalk that up to, you know, it being like a... The perfect you know, species. Yeah, like a biological weapon or whatever. Um, mm. And that's one thing like I always thought there was like... Yeah, I never like made that connection, weirdly enough, that that's the same alien. I thought it was just like a different alien on the ship for some reason, but... Right. Yeah, it does grow up in like a few hours, yeah. I figured that to be the. I wasn't positive, but I figured that to be the case. Um, but I, no, I like that. I think it's cool. Like you know, different mm. species do different crazy shit. Like I think it sort of adds to the like the weirdness of it and like the insanity of it. That this oh yeah. we thought we were dealing with this little like an annoying thing that spits acid. That's just a tiny thing. Oh shit! Uh, two hours later, we're not dealing with that anymore. You know what I mean? We're dealing with a freaking man-sized thing. Yeah, it, it like yeah, it's blood is acid, but also. Um... That's a cool detail. But uh, another thing is, like, when they go to that, when they go to the planet, um, there's, like, this black stuff that, like, travels upwards, you know? That's, like, another weird detail. And, like, this, there's, like, um, Kane says there's, like, this level of dust that there's, like, tension whenever you, whenever you, like, you know, put your hand in on it. So, like, there's all these weird things about the planet and the alien that just, like, make it seem... You know, make it unknown, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the acid blood is like one of those things that you kind of forget, but yeah. 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 No, that's totally true. Did we, we, Ash is the, so Ash is the, the crew member who turns out to be a robot designed to mm, Ian encourage. Ian, yeah. Right. 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 Um, my thing. So, like, how did he? How did the company know that they were going to intercept a transmission? Unless, like, there was a high probability of it or something. I don't know. Well, the be careful with what you say, Liam. Yeah. Because it kind oh, of, okay. No worries. Okay. It kind of gets circled back on. But like in the film, they do say the priority one was to go to that planet. Okay. So okay. No, that, that answers my question plenty. That's good. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay, that scene where I mean, I sort of I quite like the detail of both Dallas and then Ripley going to see the, the, this mother AI thing um, for guidance. Oh, yeah. It feels it, it's kind of random, but it I quite like it actually. Like you know, we we want to go to some sort of superior intelligence for some sort of help. God knows I would. Um, well, it kind of feels like Hell from two thousand and one. Not that you've seen it. But no, Liam, it's yeah. Liam, you've seen it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it does of, feel, like, feel that. like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very, like, cold. and um, Yeah, you're dealing with, like, three different intelligences on the on the ship, really. You know, there's Mother and Ash, and then there's a yeah. alien as well. Yeah, that scene where the mother says, like, 
like everyone's just desperately inputting stuff into it for help and it's just like only priority return the life form to earth crew members expendable and it's like oh <laughs> cheers mother like thanks for the help that was like a moment for me in itself where i was like oh shit well uh, there's there's really no one helping here is there there's there's nothing for these people i quite like that a lot um in terms of 2001 though sir ridley scott cites three movies as the shaping influence on his, on this film uh the original star wars 2001 a space odyssey for the depiction of outer space and i guess hell and the texas chainsaw massacre for its treatment of horror well actually that, that's that's interesting because i was going to say like a lot of the not like it's, it's a very violent film but like a lot of the kills are kind of implied or shown very vaguely you know we're shown feet or yeah. we're shown like a snatching or something like that and like that's something that have either of you seen texas chainsaw no no yeah so with the original texas chainsaw toby hooper he was he was going for uh uh you know like essentially a pg or like a pg like a like a m or pg 13 rating i think is like what is like the equivalent he was going for in that there's never any on-screen violence in that film and like it's like it's all it's all implied there's no blood you know it's it's just kind of a very traumatic experience just through kind of pressure um and I was yeah. gonna, I was, I was gonna mention that there is kind of a similarity in that that, that I realized this time. Um, I'm glad you isn't that, that up. isn't that ironic though? Because like that sort of is like one of the scariest films ever made, right? Texas Chainsaw. No, Texas Chainsaw isn't really scary. Um, and uh, I think maybe in the 70s it might have been when people thought it was actually based on a true story. But like even the fact that it's based on a true story is bullshit. So, but it has that reputation, doesn't it? As being like. Like one of the scariest films? Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure. Personally, for Jay- me, it's not Jay- really Jay- scary Jay- at all. It's Jay- just kind of thick skin, man. Yeah. Mm. Um, I found that, no, I found that interesting. I haven't seen 2001 or Texas Chainsaw. I didn't really, I didn't really feel a lot of Star Wars in this, but maybe it's more in like I guess the the sets and the and the depiction of like the ships in space and stuff. Maybe I don't know. I was sort well, of interested in that. Didn't didn't really want to make a space opera, and then he saw Star Wars, and he's like, "Fuck, that was the movie that I wanted to make." So then he had to go make this. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know that. That's so I think funny. I think I think that's the story. Like he he like um when he went when he watched Star Wars, he was like, "Damn, that's the movie that I wanted to make." Oh, that's so, so funny. Like, I, I imagine that. like you know that's kind of what he yeah right in that sense. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I feel like the the violence or like thereof works. Like the scene, the the movie has gory moments like the chestburster scene is is awesome i still feel yeah i don't know I, I don't know if we need to see the alien like you know literally tear these people apart you know what i mean like what we get with the again the weird tongue mouth thing is enough and then it freaking just comes out and latches on and uh, yeah we get it you know yeah known sort of makes it a bit more scary i guess mm. i think that's what kind of makes this film unique even for the series is that after this it takes a significant tonal shift in terms of you know, just the genre that it kind of, that the rest of the films are. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to get there. I sort of figured as much, considering you know, we know what a James Cameron movie is. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I sort of, but then, yeah, I'm excited to check that out too. Um, but for the chestburster sequence, I will say the rest of the cast were not told that real animal blood and guts were being used. Um, which they were, so as to provoke genuine reactions of shock and disgust. Again, actor bullying right here. Um, this worked so well 
that Yafet Koto, I don't know who this who he played or she played. I don't remember. Uh, one of the actors went home in complete shock afterwards, locking himself in a room. Yafet, was he um, one of the undercrew? Yeah, it was, it was um, Parker. Britton Parker, that's it. Oh, he plays Parker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, got it. No worries. He was um, one of the, oh, yeah. he, he hung in there for a while. He did, actually. I, I was going to, I just remembered, um, like, the thing on the documentary was that Ridley Scott, like, bullied them all so that there would, like, be a team against him, you know, so yeah. that he would be, <laughs> he would be like, the alien. the alien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him, man. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, how have we not talked about the real MVP of this movie yet? Jones. All right. And that's goddamn Jones, my Jones. guy. Jones is a legend. The fact that Jones survived is one of the greatest moments in cinematic history. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm spitting truth right here, dude. Wait, there were so many times when Jones was so doomed. You know what I mean? Especially, that, of course, that one time where he was literally just left in the hallway and the Xenomorph's just standing there. And it's like, oh, well, he's done. See you later. And then Ripley, God bless her. Actually, she's probably the real MVP, to be honest. Keeps coming back and like keeps making a very deliberate effort to save Jones. And God bless her, because that'd be me. You know what I mean? Every single time she loops back around, she's like trying to figure out a route to get back to the cat, to save the cat. There's like multiple times where the cat runs off and it's like 99% of people just go, well, fuck, you know, um, I've got to save myself here. And she just goes for the cat. So God bless her. I thought it was great. I think it's also very easy to show the cat as the alien's first kill, kind of, to kind of totally. give you a taster. And like yeah, to show yeah. like, you know, you're consuming that or, you know, whatever it does can grow it in size. But the fact that they're, they're, they're restrained from that as, as well, I thought was quite nice, you know. It subverted my expectations, for sure. And it's funny to see this film, like, that That, that definitely feels like the tropey thing to do. Like, the first kill is is the the pet, you know. But no, Jones made it all the way to the end, God bless her. Or he, him, he, her. Him, I think. Him? I don't know. One particular moment I want to point out for... It's and this can sort of be exemplified in the entire film, I guess. But and just the overall like, incredible for me, the lighting and color choices overall were what made it stand out. Like I love the sets, love everything else. I love the camera movements, love all that. But any above anything else for me, it was the lighting and the fact that the sets are just always flashing, like at all times. There's like light coming from different angles, and especially as it ratchets it up, ratchets ratchets it up, ratchets it up. Towards the end, I'll have to practice that one later too. Uh, towards the end, and you just get the scenes where Ripley's shitting herself in the hallways, and it's just friggin' like any if you've got you know any form of risk of having a seizure, don't watch this goddamn movie. Did, did it give you a warning on Disney Plus? No, no, I'm surprised because like it just because uh, like because yeah. usually it does it like for Star, for Star Wars shows it does. I would have thought there'd be like a definite seizure warning on this one. Totally. I don't think yeah. I've ever watched anything more seizure-inducing than this. It was, like, freaking insane. Yeah, Ripley... Uh, the scenes where Ripley is, like, running through the hallways and the alarms are blaring and it's, like, a tracking shot of her running down the hallway, like, looking back every second. Like, that was just the best part of the movie for me. It's, like, the height of, you know, tension okay. and the set design and Ripley being the last survivor and just, you know, the lights, as you said, and... Oh, and then she gets to that that junction, that point where she needs to cross, and you know, the, you get to the the flashing white lights, and where she just like sees it, like that is, that is like you know, 
the best um the kind of climax or like you know oh my getting to the climax like um but yeah it just like has everything in it that the film is um is good at you know as you said in that whole way i guess you know totally and then she you know the whole thing she loops back around she can't stop the explosion she comes back to that spot and the whole time it's like obviously we expect the alien to you know come back and it doesn't you know like she the whole time like it takes i feel like it happens sort of in real time for us as the audience where she's just creeping back into the escape ship or whatever and the the door and the hallways and it's just and it never comes until of course you realize it's in there um, which makes perfect sense because it was literally wide open. Um, but yeah, that all that was that was terrific, and everyone's just always covered in. Everyone's face is always covered in shadow to some extent, you know. It's just oh, it's it's beautiful, it's lovely. Did um, you did you think that her jetting off in the space shuttle was the end of the movie? Did you think there was going to be another kind of twist to it, or it ha- it, it did convince me. I think when when the uh the ship exploded for like five five times for some reason um i think when that happened i was like oh okay maybe i think that was like all the ores blowing up because it was like a mining crew right so i think like that was like their cargo and like their their equipment just kind of okay okay that was yeah i didn't really get that that was weird but anyway and then like the second we start spending like a little too long with her just Mm. like walking around i'm like all right yeah there's something going on here and then when, when there's that shot of like you see I did a double take when there's a shot of like the xenomorphs, like, I think just sort of against the wall or something, or like in the wall. Oh, and yeah. Sort of disguising it's just itself as, there. Yeah. It sort of like looks like it's just part of the ship or something. Mm, I did yeah, a double yeah. take when the, the second it cut to it, I was like, oh, the xenomorphs there. And then like five seconds went by and I went, oh, no, it's not. I'm just fucking. <laughs> and, then, and then I was there and I was like, oh, shit. That was weird. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like a really great. Um, seeing that moment there but also like um there's a thing like that in the director's cut when um brett brett is first killed um you can actually see the alien just like hanging there in the oh yeah that's right yeah yeah, because you have like all the chains and everything and you have all these things that hang so you kind of don't notice it um but then you're like oh it's just there you know it's just it's just you know stationary it's just chilling it's just chilling bro it's just waiting so, I, but I didn't even. Sorry, I'm. I didn't even mention the thing I was trying to mention with in terms of the moment that I really loved for direction and editing was when she, like the countdown's happening. It's reaching the final seconds of the countdown, and she's ejecting in the other ship, and you get those series of shots where the ship is departing, and the countdown's happening. The score's doing its thing, very tense, and we're cutting back and forth between her ripley and like a view of the window looking above at the ship that's still above her as it's moving and that was genius that was like there can never can you exemplify like or or present tension in that way of like she needs to get the hell away from this thing in the next 10 seconds and it's still above her it's still above her it's still and it's like just for god's sake end you know what i mean like just get out from under it and it just and the way it happened, like they cut back to it like three times, and I thought that was genius. Like, I don't know it was great. Like compared to just like some sort of wide shot where it's like you sort of see it like leaving slowly. You know what I mean? Like in terms of that's what 
quality direction and how it elevates tension beyond just, you know, some any other number of camera choices, you know. They could have just been whatever and forgettable. I mean, just to speak to all the camera work we're talking about, um, I did have a quick trivia here that Ridley Scott did all of the handheld camera work himself. So he can make good movies, guys. This is what this confirms to me, you know what I mean, Ridley Scott? He's got it in him to make a good film or two, you know? He's just depriving actual cameramen of their jobs. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a horrible person. Wow, wow. I mean, the thing that... <laughs> This is such a blasphemy to like everyone else in existence as a film fan. But um, the thing that interests me about him is the fact that he was he worked in marketing for like forty years, right? Before he became a director, he um he shot like ads and stuff. That's what he did, I think. He, like, and that's sort of what got him into feature filmmaking, I believe. It wasn't sort of later until he's I think he was like in his forties. That always fascinates fascinates oh, me. I know he, I know mm. he I know he shot that um that really that iconic Apple ad from the. The Apple II ad is that what uh, it is? Oh yeah, mm. yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. So yeah. Anyway, that's a natural uh, transition. Well, David Fincher made ads. Made what? Oh, ads. He made ads. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the exterior of the ship as well. I think you know we talked about we talked about the in the interior as well. We talked about the alien ship, but the uh, the exterior of the of the of the Nostromo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's very sick. I agree. It's really cool. Um, don't see a whole lot of it, but what we do see is deep. And it's always from – we never really see it from a distance either, which I like. Oh, it's always sort of towering. Do. Yeah, it, it, when it's sort of in, it inserted in the – throughout the film, it's sort of more – we see it as this sort of towering structure from closer, you know? Mm. Oh, I mean, who who was – if you had to pick, I mean, we sort of spent this whole thing trying to remember everyone's names, but who's who's your favourite crewmate, Fitzy? I've got to say, I feel like Dallas is mine. Dallas? Oh, I was going to say Dallas. Oh. Dallas is nice. I mean, I like... Everyone really seems to like Kane. Kane's just a good guy, you know? Kane's Yeah. Great. Until he... You know. Until he's impregnated by an alien. <laughs> mm. I, I love when he uh, he wakes up and he just looks like really pale and dead. Just how John yeah. Hurt always looks. Have you seen yeah. him in 1984? Just the same ghostly kind of taut look on his face. There's definitely a joke to be made there that I won't make. But um, what about you, Jaden? Um, I was going to say Kane until Liam said everyone says Kane, so I'll say Ripley because I mean, how can it not be Ripley? You know, mm. you know, she's I mean, like like, yeah. every, like all the crew loves Kane. Ah, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, then, right. like you know, Ripley's like the best final girl to ever exist. You know, she's. You know, it's, I think I think it's amazing that you know this is quite just this is a very literal slasher horror film just translated into an entirely different context. You know, mm. and, and I think as of that, you know, Ripley kind of taking on that that trope of the genre, but it's just she's actually a, you know a, a good final girl to have. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one aspect we haven't really touched on is the like the individual performances because I don't I feel like overall they're not as important in this film. As they as the, as are they are in other films, I feel like it's sort of the collective vibe that, that they all sort of bring as a crew that elevates it. But I haven't really seen Sigourney Weaver in many things at all. I feel like finding actually, Dory. She's finding Dory. Is that <laughs> she's the uh, she's the aquarium announcer? I think. Oh, lovely! And she was also in Wally as well. She was the uh, ship announcer in Wally. Oh, okay. So she's just the announcer in Pixar movies. Mm. Got it. Okay, I've seen her in those then. 
Uh, other than that, I honestly think it's sort of just Avatar. Um, I don't think there's anything else. So sort of going back to, you know, this iconic performance from her, I was impressed. She's good. One thing about it, though, is that, like, um, she's not really focused on straight away. Like, she's not, like, focused on as some, like, main character survivor. She's kind of in the background. And she's just um, mm. she's one of the crew at the very start. Right. So, like, if you if you'd never seen it, like if you don't know anything about anything, you might not be able to predict that she would be the one that um, you know, survives in the end. It does kind of focus on Kane and Dallas a lot more at the start, especially you know, given the ship exploration that they do. Yeah, I think I think you know, for a first time audience, you probably are expecting a, a greater focus on them, and you kind of are until they cock it. But you know, mm. it's all part of storytelling. Yeah, I and mean, even. Even the undercrew, even they get like a lot of focus at the start. Um, like their banter about the you know, their pay and stuff. Hmm. But then like yeah. 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 Sigoni is the one that kind of, you know, tries to enforce the rules, I guess, with the and goes against Ash. Let's talk about the bonus situation. That was fun. Um yeah, I mean there's nothing that really makes her the protagonist of this movie outside of the obviously she, the fact she survives, like yeah, it's sort of just getting right into it. The first hour is just, you know, we're just watching a crew do their thing, you know. Yeah. But then uh, you kind of realise later on that, like, you know, Ash manipulated the whole thing. Like, he kind of led them to go to the planet. Um, you know, when when Kane and Dallas were debating it, he um, Ash kind of led him in the, that direction. And then Ash, you know, opened the doors and Ash did this and that. Yeah, neat. All right, Alien, final verdicts. Liam, in space, no one can hear you scream. How iconic. That's really good. It is really good. I don't know, like, uh, I want to give it an 8 just because my enjoyment this time, but, like, it is better than an 8. But I'll give it an 8 this time, yeah. That's what cool. I'm doing. Cool, cool, cool. Jaden? Um... It's the strongest of nines, you know. Like, it's always been a nine for me. This film, I don't know what holds it back because it's like, yeah, um, no, no, maybe that's something we should talk about more for another two hours. But you know, <laughs> we're moving on, I guess. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just that genuinely brilliant. It's the best thing really Scott's put to screen. Um, yeah, yeah, for me, it's an eight. And to answer your question of what holds it back, Jaden. Nothing, nothing holds this movie back. You know what I mean? It's just there's the there's always the intangible factor, and uh, to me, I think the movie's awesome. I love it. I think it's great, and I, you know, I, I don't know if this is an infinitely rewatchable movie to me. I don't know if I'd want to rewatch it again anytime soon. Other than I think I'd be very tempted to see it in the theater. Other than that, though, yeah, I think I think that's the the thing that would really, as I already mentioned, really enhance it for me, having now un- understanding what it is. But yeah, it's great. Watch Alien, guys. I'm sure you haven't seen it if you've listened to this whole thing. Let's get into a rapid-fire news chat, all right? Liam, I want to get your thoughts on this too, all right? The Rock has said, The Rock, that is Dwayne Johnson, DJ himself, he said he's going to star in an adaptation of, quote, one of the biggest, most badass games. That is the quote. That is what he said. Okay. That is that is it. That is all we have to go on at all. 
Battlefield what ideas? 4. Battlefield 4, the movie. It's called Battlefield 4? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, I like that. Just to really, just to really confuse everyone. Jan, you've had some time to, to think. I'm sure you were thinking about this question the entire time yeah, for the last obviously. hour. Yeah. Do you have any do you have any thoughts? Well, you know, when you initially brought this up to me, I, I immediately did Duke Nukem because that's the only character I can kind of envision the rock size kind of embodying. But the fact that you said one of the biggest badass franchise, it, like, mm. it makes me feel like he's probably been cast in the Call of Duty. And I hope it's not. Yeah. But like because the director is the same director as Sicario too, if I if I if I remember correctly, right. and like knowing he's attached and knowing what he did with Sicario too, you know, I, I I can imagine a genuinely good product coming out of this Call of Duty movie, and if the if the Rock is in it, then it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna just become you know just kind of yeah, big action trash. Yeah. So like, I hope it's not. But like, given that statement that you just given that you added that bit there about you know biggest baddest. Mm. I feel it's probably going to be the Call of Duty movie. I think that's a great shout. I think that's very – that is definitely got to be in, like, the top three possibilities. I mean, like, you know, we can you can take the tact of, like, what he looks like, you know, and, like, what he sort of fits. Like, oh, Gears of War because he's a big dude. You know what I mean? Are they making a Gears movie? Not that I know of. But I don't know if we, like – I don't know if this necessarily has to be something that we know about, you know? Okay, right. right. Um, that's what – Call of Duty makes a lot of sense for that reason, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, honestly, he's a character in Fortnite. Like, he actually is. Is it Fortnite? You know what I mean? I'm not even shitting mm. you. Uh, isn't he? He's he's like the main thing in Fortnite now. Like, literally. Is he? Yeah, he plays the um, like straight up. He play. He's the he's the skin. He plays the. I don't know, like the main thing that's in the law right now. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what it's called. But he. The my point is, the Rock is actually in Fortnite. Yeah. Uh. So that's a connection there that makes sense. You think Epic Games is going to branch out and make it the Fortnite movie already? It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know what the hell. What the fuck would that be about? You know, getting the victory. Yeah, tomato victory tomato. royale. Getting that number one victory royale. Wiping out tomato. <laughs> victory <down>. royale. Yeah, <laughs> Fortnite. Dude, that maybe. Dude, that maybe. That maybe make a billion dollars at the box office. Let's be real. All right, we all know it. It either makes a billion or nothing. Like I don't, I don't imagine there being an in between. Like yeah, but it's a billion. You know? Yeah, of the two, it's a billion. Oh lord! But actually, I don't know. Maybe not so much now. I don't really know how popular it is now, to be honest. But it's still one of the biggest games that like of the times. Like, is it? Would you say it's one of the biggest, most badass games? Oh, not most badass, but definitely one of the biggest. No, it, that's the thing. What does the Rock classify as badass in his life? You know. Well, Chrono really... Trigger, like also. <laughs> Chrono Trigger, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a huge, huge fan of the Secret of Mana. Um, that's badass. I don't know. Could he be in the Mortal Kombat sequel? That's just been announced. Oh, it's possible. I feel like why wouldn't you just say that? Because we Mortal Kombat's established as a movie, you know. Is there is there a character you can take on? Is, is, um. Because I, I don't know how many characters they included in the, in the first one. Because I, I know nothing about it. Like, is there? A... Neither, neither. No. There probably there probably is though. I saw like some fo- Photoshop thing of him as Kratos, which I uh, oh. immediately I immediately vomited in my mouth when I saw it. But that's okay. Mm. <laughs> Got the build. I know, I know. 
Man. No, I, I can't imagine them doing that. I feel like the studio should be smarter than casting it as Kratos. Yeah, yeah. And do they, we don't need a God of War movie, please. Um, I don't know. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. Jaden, what have you been watching? Um, let's suss it out because I can't recall. Come on, Come on now. Come on now. I know this is a new segment on the show. I've never done it yeah. before. I've never, I've never well, asked you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Okay. Don't worry. I, I recall what I was going to talk about. I watched this 2007 Australian film called Noise, and it stars um bloke from Beneath the 60. Um, mm. what's his main name? Bloke? Main yeah, bloke. Yeah, main bloke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Human Trek. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's like genuinely like one of the best Australian films I've seen. Um, it wasn't what I was I was expecting it to be. So so the premise is that like um that that beneath Hill sixty man he plays a cop with tinnitus tinnitus. Um and one t- and it, like the 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 plot reads you know one time at work he 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 passes out from the pain. That same night, a random gunman kills six people on a train. So, with that plot, I, I kind of thought it was going to be him going home from a shift, and like it was he was going to pass out, and then it was kind of all going to take place in a kind of like real time type of thing. It was going to be like a real mood piece and kind of this kind of random act of violence that you kind of see in like um Elephant, which is uh, do you, you know Elephant, Liam? Which one, the Northern Irish film or the Gus Van Sant? Which one is is the Gus Van Sant one, maybe? Yeah, regardless, I thought it was going to be kind of like that. I thought it was going to be like that. Um, it wasn't. It 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 kind of, it was kind of a bit um, more. Fuck, I don't know. I'm really doing a terrible job here. Stop naming your film Elephant. That's what I've gotten out of this. You know, too many films yeah. named Elephant. I really, I really don't know what to say because it's, you know, when you think of Australian cinema, it kind of is that. Especially when you think of like anim- like you know, think of it's, it's kind of got that gritty, you know, kind of tone to it that so many Australian films do. You know, it's got that kind of niche vibe that, you know, only people living around here can resonate with, you know. I, like, mm. I, I don't imagine Australian films do very well overseas because I, I imagine they can't really relate to it the yeah, way that, right. you know, everyone's able to empathize and relate to Hollywood products or, like, you know, other major things. You know, I think the acting's brilliant. The story is genuinely fantastic in the way it's revealed and the way it flows. Um. You know, and, and for for the murder of the film, it it is just kind of following the our, our protagonist as he kind of reels with the diagnosis of his tinnitus and possible cancer, and how you know his you know how his life after that, you know his relationship, and then what he does for work, you know, and the way that he is so involved in the crime that occurred that night, but kind of a bit more indirectly um, than he thought, but then it all ends up together and stuff. It's just joyously tense and fantastically moody um, and just a brilliant film. It sounds to me like it's 100% on Stan. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on Stan and I immediately watched it, yeah. Cool, cool. Okay. I'm going to – hey, you sold me. I'm going to I'm gonna add that to the list for sure. That sounds cool. All right. Can you hear that, by the way? Yeah. The yeah. scraping? Yeah. Okay. You going to go out there and – Shoot whoever's doing. Mm, I'll shoot my dad. <laughs> okay, my highlight is um, 
Sure, me a hero HBO miniseries. Um, six episodes. And it's just well, it's about this um public housing crisis, I guess, or situation in Yonkers in the late nineteen late eighties. It's co-written by David Simmons, Simons, the guy that did The Wire, and it's like. It's very much like the wire, like kind of like like a society wire, like analysis of like a specific like like political kind of situation. Um, it's not very like traditional, I guess, um, in terms of TV, um, you know, drama or anything. But um, it is super interesting. Everyone was kind of forced um, into this situation by this judge and the. Title is kind of ironic because I don't know if the show is making a martyr of um, Oscar Isaac's character, but he's kind of like he's not he wasn't really here. He's kind of put into that position, and he kind of had to just go along with it, kind of because he actually appealed um, the vote for public housing in the first place. But anyway, the show's like um, I don't know. It's emotionally, like, um, just pretty powerful in terms of, like, the different stories and stuff, but it is slow and kind of, um, it's, like, very factual and, like, um, true story, kind of, but it is very interesting, and, you know, Oscar is great, Oscar is, you know, guy, so, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's a good show. Yeah, guys. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was processing. I was taking it all in, and then you just, you know, you just sort of slipped in there. You dropped the Oscar Isaac bomb. You know what I mean? You just sort of went, and Oscar Isaac's right? I'm like, was someone say Oscar Isaac? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Holy shit! Like, dude, this guy's in everything. Is there, is there anything this man isn't in? You know, I can't understand mm. why how he can act so much. You know, like maybe just maybe take a break from acting, Oscar. You know, like, do you need it? Are you okay? He's a great actor. The he, the character in the show, he's kind of like, um, so he becomes the mayor of Yonkers, and he's this very his name's Nick Cisco. He's this very kind of lovable, um, guy. And I guess if you want to say anything about the character, is that he like, um, like all of his, you know, self esteem is kind of from being loved, um, which kind of factors into the whole story and like politics and the show in general, um. It's kind of like lucky, actually. When I think about, it. but um, <laughs> um, all right. So I finished Afterlife on Netflix. This is uh, the Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais's, however you want to sort of you know say his name. Is there a correct way, Jaden? I feel like you would know if there is one. Uh, Ricky Gervais, yeah. Gervais, okay. Gervais. I always say Gervais, okay. Um, pretty sure it's Gervais. Oh shit! Now there's doubt. I don't like it. Um. His Netflix show, Afterlife, is this sort of it, – it's a comedy about, you know, it's been running for three seasons. The, the third season that just came out is its final season. And it's about this dude whose uh, wife dies and he sort of, you know, it's Ricky Gervais as sort of himself dealing with that, you know, in this British town. And it's uh, it's very funny. It's a great show. I really enjoyed it. It's super simple in its direction, not just from a – technical perspective like which it is um in terms of ricky writes and directs every episode himself 
And in terms of, you know, he's not, this isn't being taught in film school in terms of, you know, how he's, what he's doing with the camera and shit, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, very straightforward. You've got your, your sort of recurring sets and they just pop the camera there and the, and the characters say stuff, you know, that's funny. And it's, it's very straightforward in that sense, but also very simple in terms of its story as well. And, um, you know, it's about this guy dealing with grief and going through the stages of grief. And that's basically the entire show. And you can sort of, sort of, I guess, not too hard to imagine how it would play out in that sense, but I think its simplicity is also its strength, and it's uh, it, it all just works. Like it really, it's genuinely hilarious. Like you know, if you like Ricky Gervais humor, you're gonna like this. Um, and outside of that, of course, it's it, it, the in terms of its simplicity, like the emotional beats still hit, um, and the way in which they present it is still really effective. Um, so it's th- it's thoughtfully simple, I guess I would say in that sense, and. That's what I really like about it. It's, it, and that's sort of what makes it. It's only six episodes a season, like I said, three seasons, eighteen episodes of the entire thing. Each episode is half an hour, you know, so you can smash through it pretty quickly if you're interested. But that's sort of what makes it great is its accessibility and its simplicity, and the fact that you know my seventeen-year-old uh, rap brother loves the show. You know, my my eighty-year-old grandfather loves the show, and I, th- I think that sort of says a lot about it, you know. I think it's you can. It's one of those things that I feel like even more so than most things you would say this about. You can genuinely recommend it to anyone, and people are going to really enjoy it. I think so. Yeah, it's a it's a definitely a really really easy recommendation for me. I think it's really good. So how can and it's good. It's a, over. How can we get a seventeen year old rap brother? Where's my seventeen year old rap brother? Do you want a seventeen year old rap brother? Yeah, where's mine, bro? As always, now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week, we asked you, what is your favourite Sir Ridley Scott film? Aiden said, well, I really got to say Alien. Straight up, fair enough. Great choice. Andy said, my favourite Ridley Scott film is the one with Russell Crowe. It's not Gladiator, though, don't worry. Even though Scott's films have such enriched visuals and perfectly lit cinematography, he's a pretty average auteur. This is a side note on Andy's part, by the way. He's a pretty average auteur uh, for art house standards and sometimes a hit and miss director for the Hollywood crowd as well. I've only seen six or seven of his films, so I can't say too much. Maybe I just dislike The Counselor so much. Who knows? But yeah, Alien is an excellent film and I can't wait to rewatch it again. I'm sure you did love rewatching it, Andy. Now, is this a... I'm not familiar enough with the filmography. Is this? Is there another Ridley Scott film with Russell Crowe? Oh, there is. Um, American Robin Gangster. Right? Oh shit! There's another one. <laughs> shit! All right. Yeah. Okay. Isn't there a lot of them? There might isn't be. There? I know of those three. The Council is a good movie, by the way. Is he? In- I just say that. Who's in that? Uh, Michael Fassbender, Javier Bardem. Oh. Uh, oh. Diaz. oh, but the thing about it is that it was written by Cormac McCarthy, and it's not based on a book. He literally oh, just he just wrote a script. screenplay. Interesting. Yeah, it's his only screenplay. Yeah. Oh shit! I've got to check that out. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. I love Michael Fassbender. Oh my god. So I don't know which one of Ridley's and Russell's uh, collaborations Andy likes, but it's one of them. Yeah. Like, what is that? I don't even know. Is he talking about like Gods and Kings or something? Uh, no, I don't think he, either, he's not in Gods and Kings, right? It's either American Gangster or Robin Hood, isn't it? Or is there more? Is he, is he in Body of Lies? He's in Body of Lies as well. Body of Lies. Mm, okay, so there's a few other Andy ones. hasn't seen Body of Lies, don't worry. 
Okay. It's not that one. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, Andy, I'm going to put words in your mouth and say it's Robin Hood. You happy with that, Andy? Thanks, Andy. All right. Luke said, The Martian. Right. That was one of that was one of your favorites too, wasn't it, Jade? No, is that your answer? Yeah. Or? No, it's not my answer, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I watched it once. I don't know. I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't really find it very memorable. I don't really remember it at all. So, I don't know. I have to check it out again. I guess. Just um, read the book instead. Oh yeah, really? Is that is it a good book? Yeah, I really like it. It's really funny. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, that is the weird thing about it. I sort of. It is sort of like a comedy, I guess. I never didn't. I mean, oh yeah, isn't that the whole thing that it was nominated yeah, for best comedy? Yeah, it, right. it won. It won a Golden Globe for best comedy. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Um, all right, Jane. What is your answer though? Um, well, I won't. I won't say Alien just because you know we've spent an hour talking about it. I will say Alien Covenant instead. Um, oh. Okay, we'll get there. You know, I, I think. I've been quite negative on Ridley as a director in the past, just because you know, kind of taking the piss, but also kind of serious. I think his quite a few of his movies are kind of, I don't even know, average. Just the way he treats them, like Black Hawk Down and all the money, like movies that are meant to be exciting. You know, they just end up not being. Mm. But Alien Covenant is a movie that I have a, a massive affinity for. Um, I, I really love what it does for the lore. I love the characters and I love the cast. You know, I love the scene that we the scenery that we're showing. I love everything it does for the franchise. And I think it's a really fantastic addition to the genre, um, to the to the to, to the franchise rather. Um, and I know that's kind of not the common opinion, but it's definitely my one. Um, I'm gonna say House of Gucci, House of Gucci. Um, oh, House did you say that? I did. That oh, cool! Was, that was great, and it's only grown in my mind um, since. So, House oh, of Gucci. Cool. House of Gucci is very funny. It's a comedy of, um, you know, personalities. I guess all these actors playing these random characters who aren't like none of the none of them like align with each other or feel like they're actually in a family they're just all doing their own thing and it's really dumb but um, I had a great time you liked it more than the last duel then um I don't know they're kind of neck and neck but like oh okay I want to rewatch Gucky for sure <laughs> okay yeah every time you say it I don't know I just fucking <laughs> okay alright I'll check I'll check it out on Netflix I'll check it out um I mean, my answer is, I, I mean, I think I, I can say Alien is his best film I've seen, but I've still got a long way to go with, with, with Ridley Scott. I do. There's a lot of films of his I want to see. Now the council's added to that. But uh, I, I think The Last Jewel, man, for me still, maybe a bit of recency bias, but I had a great time with it. I've talked about it so many times, but it's so fun. I really enjoyed it. I just, and, and I mean, you know, look, if you do a high production, high budget you know, medieval setting and with great, like, well-lit sets and, cool, like, going filming castles and shit. Dude, I'm going to love that shit, you know what I mean? Just by default, you know what I mean? Put, like, the shittest story ever and I'm still going to give it a six. Um, but the story's great too, so there you go. All right, as always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section. Send us a DM on Instagram, uh, which everyone does, by the way. That DM Instagram, that, that, the, the <laughs> inbox is just filled up all the time, you know. And uh, And join us on the Discord 
This week, we're asking you, who is your favorite emerging actor from television? Let us know in the comments or on any of the other places. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Fitzy, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are doing uh, a film on Netflix called The Guest. Um, yeah, it was like a pretty low production film, interesting premise. The guest comes into a family, uh, family's life. It's, he says he's like the friend of a brother in the family. Sick. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we'll see you all then. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate you boys being here with me and have a great rest of your week. Peeps, fam, and goodbye.